0: Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. Okay, and we're live. Miles, how are you doing today?
1: Steve Cuddler. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, we took a short break there for a bit. Yeah, been busy and um, had to take a pause for a little bit uh, as we were making some changes and adjustments to schedule. And yeah, uh, it's good to be back with you, man.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I went through that um, three and a half weeks without a phone
0: you did yeah. yeah
1: and that was, How was that? amazing you, you had
0: a you had a phone that broke and yeah, so you I, had I, to just, uh, you didn't have one for for quite a while
1: yeah three weeks so it was a combination wow. of small townness tech
0: uh, misunderstanding <laughs> i like that
1: well okay. I, i'll tell you the, the small townness came from um when first of all when i broke my phone i was really worried it was like god i just spent money on this phone and then uh, and then a friend of mine, my our local bartender said, why don't you just call the company and see if they'll give you a refund? Yeah. So the phone yeah. had already been broken for two days. So I, I called the company up and they said, yeah, you're eligible for a refund. And they said, pack up everything that you got because we have we, once we get all your stuff, we'll determine whether we give you a refund. So everything that came with it, SIM cards, charger, all the stuff. So I packed it up, I take it over to the UPS store and the UPS store, this is where the small town this comes in. The UPS store told me, well, you just missed the FedEx drop. And they won't come back until next week. So we'll have your phone here for a week.
0: Oh, wow. And,
1: yeah. And so then I found out.
0: sat at the store for a week. At the UPS <laughs> store in this small town. <laughs> That's so, awesome. I didn't know that. So OK. I
1: know. And then after the week was up, I was telling somebody about it. And they said, you know, there's a FedEx drop box on campus, and I didn't know that, so oh,
0: I know it was wow. too late. Okay. okay. So
1: I sent them all the stuff. So they took their time, they got it. It took them a few days to get it, unpack it, and then they sent me back a notice saying you are eligible for a refund. So I said, Well, instead of doing a refund, can you just give me the same phone? And they said, No, we have to go through the refund repurchase process. Oh, so kidding. that took Yeah, that took a couple of days. So they did it. I bought another phone and I upgraded phone, So I got one a little more expensive. And when they sent it back, I set up everything, went to activate it through their website and it wouldn't activate. I call them up and the woman said, oh, we're not sure why it didn't activate. What's your SIM card number? I give her the SIM card number. And she says, that's not the one we have on file. I said, you just sent me a new SIM card. She said, oh, that's the problem you were not supposed to send your own SIM cards. So now we oh, have no. to go through the process more of reactivating the new SIM card. That will take three to five business days.
0: <laughs> oh, you gotta be kidding. Where are you buying this from? Did you just buy this phone from some guy that's sitting on the corner? homeless no, guy walks I, up to you, opens up his coat and has a bunch of phones. in his, that's, uh, It's his,
1: funny because that's what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, i belong to this like company
1: this. called Republic Wireless and the reason why I like Republic Wild is, first of all, once you get going, the service is really good. It's not expensive. And they're okay. one of those companies that's ecologically, like, sensitive to the environment and all that stuff. So they try to do things, you know, based on helping the environment and stuff like that. So they're so not that,
0: clubbing baby seals and that sort
1: of no. thing? That no, they're not clubbing great. baby seals. And, and they're not destroying, you know, the, um, the, 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 the grasslands and the trees and all that stuff. But, but they but do the, take a hell of a long time is, to get you. Yeah, three and a
0: half weeks without a phone. Now, for most people, I think that would be a problem. For you, that definitely was not a problem. You, when I talked to you the other day after we'd been uh, messaging back and forth on social media, we finally got on the phone, and you were elated about this three and a half weeks without uh, the phone.
1: Well, you know, I had that post where I put on Facebook. I said, uh, "My phone died, and I went to heaven." <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, What'd because you do during co- those three and a half weeks. So, most people, like I said, most people would be going crazy without a telephone for three and a half weeks. What did you do?
1: Three days in, three days in, I went crazy. I did. Okay. I, you know, there's a woman, uh, Terry Gross on NPR, did a whole expose. Um, she was talking to this businesswoman. I forgot the businesswoman's name, who literally were talking about what happens when you lose or forget your phone and even if you drive out of your house and you leave it at home. Um the, the first A lot of couple call hours
0: phone anxiety.
1: Yes, you get yeah. to go through the anxiety. I went through that. Yeah. I went through all three days. Three days and you know and actually act each successive day the anxiety would lessen and lessen. Mm. And then the fourth day was this extraordinary blanket of peace. It was nothing like I was like what? 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 What does this phone represent? That, you know, I went through that, and now, I don't give a fuck. You know, um, it coincided with Alicia, Tiago, and David going on vacation to Rhode Island, and Alicia said, you know, if you want to um, watch watch my dog and you know have run of the house, and she's got a deck that sits in the back that's stunning, with what you see, and I would go there every day with a couple of books. Brew coffee, sit on the deck. Tremendous amounts of meditation, tremendous amount of internal work. Um, with my journals and particular books that I've been
0: sitting outside because this is the it's spring summertime, right?
1: Yeah, we had the stunning days, Mm -hmm. uh, eighty degrees to eighty-five degrees. The cicadas and and back and behind our house is a menagerie of different types of birds and they have all these bird feeders up okay. that, uh, five feet away from me. And I'm looking at cardinals and, and woodpeckers oh, just come and eat yeah. the food, the squirrels, the deer I that run around cardinals in the back. In Ohio. Yeah. Oh, that's Very right. You, you're you familiar with those birds.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cincinnati. When we lived over there, it was uh beautiful, beautiful birds. Yeah. So, so you I had this amazing it, experience for, for, about two and a half weeks.
1: Exactly. Two and a half about, weeks.
0: Yeah. About a week or so of, of uh, trying to get it fixed, a little bit of anxiety. And then you've got two and a half weeks or so of just uh, deep, yeah. deep deep meditation, deep reading, yeah. deep work. Yeah.
1: I didn't go to the places I normally go to, my, my little watering hole at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. I didn't go there. What What I was playing with is trying to understand like everything in your environment, when I say environment, your internal environment and your external environment, people, spaces, places serve as a certain type of trigger, good or bad.
0: Yep, right.
1: And I was trying to get one in one of the, the journal that I was writing in, I was trying to write down what the triggers were. And that was pretty amazing work because I started to realize what the subtle triggers were. The obvious triggers are obvious, you know, people that, you know, make you feel negative, or people you want to argue with, or people that get you excited. But I was thinking more along the lines of subtle triggers, the little and those tiny are Difficult things.
0: to see in the moment, yeah. right? When you go back to yeah. them over and over and over again, you don't really see them. And that's why it's important to have some sort of distance from those things that trigger you both positive and yeah. negative right i mean when we say yeah. trigger we're not just talking about something that's negative we're talking about your environment can the external environment in particular can trigger certain emotions when i walk into certain rooms in my house i feel like i want to do something i want to take a nap or i want to sit down and read yeah. or i want to yeah uh i'm, I'm you know, anxious and ready to go. Uh, But yeah, the environment is important, internal and external environment. But the external environment is important because it does trigger us. And far too often, we don't even pay attention to that. I think environment also plays a huge role in our habits. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day about this concept of environment and habit. And he said, well, I don't think I can do this, uh, you know, getting in shape thing. And I said, but think about this for just a second. You've got habits already, right? You're getting right. up at a certain time every day. You're eating food at a regular uh, cadence. All, all getting healthy is, or losing body fat is, is you're just replacing one small habit with another. Right. So instead of waking up and not going and doing push-ups or not doing something, just add one thing. And then create a habit that you can keep for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Make it small. Because when that happens over time, that will compound. But it's the environment that helps to trigger that. If you wake up and you've already got your workout clothes sitting out, or if you walk into a kitchen where you've already purchased uh, health-promoting foods, the habits are going to be much easier to uh, to jump yeah. into, but environment yeah. is a massive trigger for us.
1: Well, you know what's really interesting is it's what I what I learned in some of these these um, excursions into myself were a lot of my bad habits or just other habits were acquired seamlessly, mm. and because they're seamless, they almost feel natural. And when you're trying to create a new habit, it's you're, you're conscious that you gotta create a new habit. You know, I, I gotta get in shape. I gotta lose body fat. I gotta lower my cholesterol. I gotta lower my blood, whatever it is. Or even yeah. taking on yeah. a new project. You know, you could be a 100% healthy person and decide to take on a new hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that new hobby is not seamless. You no. know, if you started playing guitar when you were one, you know, all of a sudden your habit is just seamless of getting up and practicing, you know, like me and a piano. But my piano bad habits are seamless. And now since I'm trying to correct some of those, it's a disruption.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, you know? great habits. If you want to become something great in any area of life, you have to start with very small habits. I love the word seamless because the, the most healthy people that I know they don't think of uh, their health as anything different than who they are, meaning that it's, yeah. it, it's woven into the tapestry, right? Everything they do uh, is is health-promoting, health-conscious. You know, I think to myself, every time that I'm eating a donut or a cookie or something that might be more of a treat that I like, there's a health right. component to that. There might be a mental health component. There may be a social right. component to it, but, but yeah. it's health-promoting. Uh, and I don't sit and just eat an entire box of donuts by myself because I don't think that that's a health promoting thing for me. Yeah. Now, if I'm sitting around and we're having a great time as a family or with friends and uh, we're eating dessert together that we're sharing, I'll definitely eat that and and I'll enjoy it. Uh, but the healthiest people, the wealthiest people, the most successful in any area of life, I think that they they find a way to create these threads in the tapestry of their life to where they're not shifting from one thing to another and they're not saying, okay, well, I'm gonna go on a diet and I'm gonna lose weight because I'm fat, right? They don't do that. The healthy people say, I am healthy and I'm gonna layer in these little healthy habits. If you wanna become very good at any aspect of life, it's about layering in these little pieces. Well, before we get too far into this, Miles, I, I want to uh, welcome our our uh, all of our listeners out there to the episode, and uh, you know we're excited to be back and, and dropping a different episode this time, uh, because our guest is our co-host. Uh, so joining me from <laughs> Oberlin, Ohio, the most interesting man that I know is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles.
1: Hey, Steve, Steve. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be back.
0: It is good to be be back, good Good to to see your face
1: again. Yeah, yeah. it's good to see yours and connect with our guests or reconnect with our guests and, you know, get back on this train and talk about health and wellness and all the other stuff that goes along with evolving.
0: All the great things with evolving. And in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Like I mentioned before, today our guest is my co-host, W. Miles Riley. And, uh, you know, Myles, the I want to let our listeners know why we're doing what we're doing today. We had a conversation just like we always do. Uh, I, I can't remember if you called me or I called you and we're talking. And uh, you had mentioned this meditative process that you were going through. And noticing some of the resistance that you were uh, or, or, uh, encountering as you're going through your meditation yeah. practice. And then working through that resistance. Now, if anybody out there has read Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art, not The Art of War by Sun Tzu, but Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art, you'll know what we're talking about when we talk about resistance. If you haven't read it, let me just kind of give a brief recap. So let's say that you want to start a new project. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you want to start a new business. You're a pianist like Miles or you're a visual artist like I am. Uh, Or you're just trying to create something new in your life. Uh, Maybe it's a better relationship. And you start to work on it. The initial feeling that you have every time you go into that work is what uh, Pressfield has identified as resistance. It's always there. It will never not be there. And the way that we overcome resistance is just through consistency and commitment to a process. And so when Miles and I were talking the other day, I was really fascinated by this uh, idea that he'd been playing with relative to his meditation. And I think that, uh, like all great things, through practice, he's developed a process that I think would be very helpful for our listeners, for you, our listeners that are uh, trying to evolve your personal life. Uh, Miles, you know, I know, and I think a lot of our listeners know meditation has so many benefits to the brain and body, yeah. uh, but it can also be an intimidating thing for many people to get started. So today I want to give our listeners some practical tools and some insights into the process that you're using uh, so that we can get them started. Does that sound good? Perfect.
1: Perfect. All right.
0: So I'm thinking that we keep it simple for our listeners let's break it up into the why and the how uh so let's start with the why why do you spend so much time practicing meditation
1: um well for one reason i I don't know where this idea came from but through all of my readings and living experiences um i started to realize that we never get to stop, Mm -hmm. just stop. It's pretty rare. Right, Um, we live in a culture that its underpinnings are production, production, make things happen. Always, we, we just, we move all the time. And years ago, I started to wonder what would happen if we just stopped. And I would try to stop and in trying to stop, I was really fucking uncomfortable stopping.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: To just sit. Um, I told you the story before, as, as I started to learn how to stop more and more, there was the time I was coming to teach a yoga class at Lifetime on a Sunday And I was on I-15.
0: Yeah, and I was on I-15.
1: And you know, it's Sunday, so there's very little traffic. And I happened to be on the road at about 12:30 because the class started at one, and it was really nobody on the highway. And the next car might have been two, three hundred yards behind me. So I just stopped and sat there. I didn't pull over to the, the side. I stopped in the middle of the highway.
0: And I think it's been years since you've done this. And so if any uh, Utah Highway (laughs) Patrol are listening to this, they can't peg you for it.
1: Yeah, unless they're gonna come to Ohio
0: Ohio and serve me a warrant. They're not gonna come to Oberlin, Ohio. (laughs) Yeah, so you stopped in the middle of the highway.
1: And it was an overwhelming feeling because I would think that's the one place you're not supposed to stop.
0: I I would agree with you there. Yeah. You're not supposed to stop on the freeway. Yeah. Yeah. I think and that's I just, kind of against the law.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> and the feeling was it was overwhelming because you one and it, you know obviously there might have been a certain excitement because you're not supposed to do that, but the philosophical and psychological and emotional part was I literally stopped in a place where you should be going all the time Mm. all the time constant moving. if you're going to stop on a highway you pull over to the sides and and that made me start to think about many different things that you're not supposed to really stop
0: yeah yeah
1: and I started playing with it all the time I would I would catch myself eating you know, just gobbling up food and I would just stop and watch myself or pause. Um, I would be, I would talk to people and people are really cool triggers, good and bad. People force you to be who you are based on your relationship with them. So you're a particular way. Yeah. And if you wanna to try to be another way, you have to stop and think about the other way which can actually make you look kind of crazy, especially if you're talking to someone and you, 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 you all of a sudden get conscious of this idea and then you stop and allow the new things that you've built inside of you to come out. You can look pretty schizophrenic.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: But that's But sure. that's their perspective. Your perspective is you know what you've done. This is the person that I'm trying to get to. And the other person is that old person. So you have to pause and it can feel extremely liberating and uncomfortable. So I've been playing with this for a long, long time now.
0: So the idea of pausing, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of that. And I agree. We, are, we live in so many spaces, not just the freeway, but the day-to-day of our life that cause us to keep moving forward in many yeah. different ways. Unfortunately, that's why so many people feel like they're spinning their wheels. Now, I, I I think that oftentimes when you want to change something and you're in a relationship, and I think a lot of our listeners will will resonate with what you just said, that you are who you are in that relationship partially because of your your how you relate, how you right. interact, what's the right. what's the vibration back and forth that you have with that other human being? And if you want to change it, you do need to pause. Now I also think that it's helpful so that you don't look a little bit crazy to say, you know what? I used to interact with you in this way because that's the way our relationship was. I'm trying to evolve into a better human being. And so would you give me some grace? Would you give me a little bit of time? Would you give me permission to do something in a different way? I've done that. not necessarily those words, and it's empowering what happens. You see, anytime that we try those are to beautiful improve words, ourselves, by the way. thank you. Anytime yeah, really we try work. and improve ourselves, what happens is the crab effect happens, or the crab effect takes place. And for for those that don't know what the crab effect is, is if you put a bunch of crabs in a hole in the sand they will not help each other get out. As soon as one crab starts going up, the other crab will pull on it and pull it back down and they will keep doing this ad nauseum until they never get out and they all die. It's a natural human reaction. It's part of our fear mechanism that's built into us. And the way that we break that crab effect with the people that are in our lives, because oftentimes the people that are pulling us down are the people that are closest to us. They say, wait a minute, Miles, I know who you are, and this thing you're doing, this way that you're acting is not you. Well, they know who you used to be. If you're evolving, now they need to know why you're doing what you're doing, and I think it's important to talk about that. So pausing and having that conversation, I think, goes a long way. But let's jump real quick to one of the biggest challenges that i think miles people have when they start meditation practice is that they don't see or feel any benefit early on in fact it's more difficult it's more frustrating they're thinking what the hell am i doing sitting here why am i this has no value right i've got stuff i can do i've got stuff that could be done Every once in a while, there might be that sense of calm or peace, right. but most of the time they don't feel the benefit early on. Why do you think meditation is something that people need to stick with
1: I th- One of the reasons why I think they need to stick with it is is one to become aware of habitual movement patterns unless we just just go physical first okay um. How many times the things that we do in our lives that are habitual physical movements that we have elevated to a level of importance, mm-hmm. and they're really not that important, but it just becomes part of this movement patterns, this habituation. And so, so give an
0: example of that. What's what's an example of a habitual movement pattern that you see? Well,
1: So yesterday when I was meditating, first of all, I sat down and and since I'm aware of it now, I'm aware of it now, um, I sat down and I prepare for habitual or just movement patterns. I'll sit down and yesterday I sat down and I realized that a day before a yoga teacher contacted me who wanted to get in touch, she wanted to get in touch with me so that we could begin this program at his yoga studio. And I forgot to return the text. and I hadn't gotten mm-hmm. in touch with him. And as soon as yeah. I sat down, I was maybe a minute into just sitting. Because when I meditate, the first thing I do is I just sit down. I don't close my eyes and start, you know, breathing and all that. I just sit down because I'm, I'm waiting for the habitual patterns. So anyway, I sat down. And the first thing that hit me was, oh, you, you got to text Eric back. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I just, I smiled. I was like, okay, here you are. Okay. Who else is coming? who else is coming? The second one was shit I forgot to brush my teeth.
0: <laughs> so think about this I don't I can't remember what the study or what the number was that I read the other day, but there's a number out there uh-huh. of how many times and it was it blew me away. I think that's part of the reason why I couldn't remember the number, but it blew me away <laughs> how many times people touch their phone in an hour. And this would be a challenge I would put out there to our listeners is, Pay attention to how many times you feel prompted internally to touch your phone. When you said, hey, I've got this guy that I forgot to text back, habitually, you're going to reach and you're going to tap your phone. That's the normal thing, right? Oh, I forgot to brush my teeth. The movement pattern is get up and go brush your teeth. And so the body is pushing you towards that. So I think it's a great, great example that it's about paying attention to these movement patterns and the movement patterns are like gravity. They will pull you back over and over and over again. I think that's one of the reasons why people don't stick with it at the very beginning. Because
1: it's really uncomfortable to just to get and you know, and they're basically what they're, they are, they're really charged thoughts. And Mm -hmm. one of the great things that you can get from this is to see how powerful thought, how powerfully energic thoughts are to make you want to move because you sit there, you get a thought, you know, return the text and you feel it in your body. Your body actually wants to get up. Yeah. And you start to think about, wow, how many other thoughts do I have that literally force a tremendous amount of energy and feeling in my body? think about the negative things you know the negative experiences and the negative you know i one I, I, I thought about this a couple of weeks ago is you know no matter what the news is it always has to be bad
0: yeah. you know that's just yeah. that's
1: the way they're structured it
0: has to they be o- bad they only put a uh, a happy uh, news story at the very end of the newscast and that's right. only locally if it's national news it's never positive
1: Right. And no matter yeah. where the source comes from, you know, I'm a big I love yeah. NPR, I love their human interest stuff, but yeah. everything is about like some tragic something negative happening. Right. And so you get these thoughts in your head and they can move you. They can move you. And and I'll let you get to your next question, but it really hit me when I think about all of these mass shootings. They they come from a place of a young man most of the time. Yep. Sitting and thinking. And then he, he says, I gotta act on this thought.
0: Yeah. That's the yeah.
1: only thing that can happen. Regardless a of a
0: quote. The- there was a quote. I Stephen Covey, I think, quoted it in his book, if I remember right, Seven Habits of Highly effective People. Um, that between stimulus and response, there's yep. a space. The gap in that space, yeah. In that gap. So in that space, we have complete power and freedom to choose our response. I'm paraphrasing now, but in our responses lie our growth and development. Yeah. And I absolutely love that idea that it's in the space, it's in the gaps. It's in in visual art, we call it the negative space, right? It's between the tree and the house, it's between the person and the building—it's the negative space—that is what creates the beauty in our life. And this is something that, when when I've taught leaders over the years how to coach people, uh, one of the toughest things for them to coach, or uh, for me to coach them on, or for them to really resonate with, this, is this idea that they need to pause. As soon as they ask a question, pause. Let the other person answer the question. When they've made a point, when they've said, hey, here's how I see this challenge we're running into, especially if it's a a tough conversation a difficult point, they need to pause right afterwards. I've taught this to salespeople. As soon as they have uh, put the offer out there and trying to close the deal, they just need to shut up. They need to pause. Right. because it's in yeah. that space where people are able to respond in a very positive way. And so coming back to what you were talking about before, it's the movement or sometimes the lack of movement that we've got right. to be aware of. And I think that's the most difficult part at the very beginning. Well, Miles, the, the Mayo clinic published an article that listed the following benefits of consistent meditation practice. Um, I want to know from you what stands out, you know, I, I, and I'm curious for our listeners too, what resonates with them? Uh, in fact, Hey, if if you're listening to this episode and you've seen some benefits from meditation, uh, send us a DM on Instagram, uh, with the word meditate in all caps and tell us how meditation has benefited you. Uh, we're going to pick a random listener, uh, and send them an evolve hat. So Again, go onto our Instagram, follow the Instagram, send us the word meditate and tell us what one of the benefits of meditation that you've seen in your personal life. Not the theory, not this article, but what have you seen in your personal life? We're gonna pick one of our listeners to send an Evolve hat to. Okay, Miles, you ready for the list? Ready, here we go. All right, Mayo Clinic says that meditation, quote, meditation can give you a sense of calm, peace and balance that can benefit both your emotional well-being and your overall health. Um, So things like gaining a new perspective on stressful situations, building skills to manage your stress, increasing your self-awareness, focusing on the present, reducing negative emotions, increasing imagination and creativity, increasing patience and tolerance, Lowering resting heart rate and blood per- pressure, and finally improving sleep quality. What what resonates uh, with you from that list, Miles?
1: Wow, like all of them. Because um,
0: <laughs> you've been doing it for a while, right? Yeah,
1: I've been doing it for a while. You know, you probably um, seeing a,
0: these benefits.
1: Amit Goswami. One of his one of um, my mantras that I use. He says, what we aim for in meditation is to reduce our near 100 probability of a fixed response to a conditioned stimulus.
0: Oh, I like that. Say that again.
1: What we aim for in meditation is to reduce our near 100% probability of a fixed response to a conditioned stimulus.
0: Yeah, beautiful.
1: So it's like you're watching all your responses and then pay attention to what's stimulating those responses, Stimulus yep. and response. Yep. And you just said something earlier, the gap. And so everything that you just oh, listed, everything you just listed resonates with me because I'm in the thick of this now. Mm. You know, the, okay. the better sleep, um, just uh, emotional. I, I've, I've used meditation uh, most powerfully to how I deal with my son, because mm-hmm. as all dads, your first response is going to be in raising a kid is the response you got from your dad. Yep. For the most part, there's some things, but and you know I loved my father. You know I think most of the stuff that he did with me I loved. You know I I do that with my son, but there are some other things that I thought na 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 that that response has to change. And well, there's because some generational things, right? I mean, there's right. some
0: things that maybe that he said or did back then that it was fine and generationally we're in a different spot.
1: We're in a different spot. Exactly. And there were some things I wanted to change and what was really yeah. interesting is because it's my son, the trigger is really emotional. Mm-hmm. So that was the hard one. And, and the gap really started to show me me and then once I saw me, I had a firmer grasp on what would I like to change now yeah. that I can really see me. And then Great you just start you just start writing down how you how I would like to respond. You know, and then trying to integrate those new responses into dealing with my son. And it has been amazing.
0: It's amazing that's a skill set. Right. You're developing a set of skills that you can use in interacting with your son. And anybody can do this with any type of relationship. It's easy to uh, to just continue on and say, well, this is how I am. Or that person's a better speaker or they're really, you know, they're an amazing wordsmith. Anyone could learn this. You can look at any situation in your life that you're having a difficult time with. Spend some time meditating on it and then ask yourself, why did I respond that way? And yeah. what can I do different? And then like you right. said, write it down. Recreate yeah. it. I mean, that's all creation is, is understanding first and foremost, and then recreating it. And then you just practice it. Do it over right. and over you, again. Right.
1: And you practice it in your meditation. Like then, right. then I would go right. I'd have certain meditation practices where I close my eyes and and imagine the the new responses to to old triggers.
0: Right. Right.
1: And, and when you see it happen, when when, you, when, you, when, you, when when it becomes a living, breathing part of you, this new way of responding to an old trigger, that's freedom.
0: Yeah, big time. See, like, like you, I will find those things in meditation. The one thing that I do different is as soon as I find something that I want to do different in the future... And I say, okay, now I'm aware of this situation. If something like this comes up in the future, which most types of situations repeat themselves in life, right? It's the karmic effect. I will pause. I will look at it and I will say, this is why I'm responding this way. I understand myself now because I've meditated on it. The way I change it is I will write it out and then I will kind of memorize what I want to do. And I will actually stand in the mirror. I will stand in front of a mirror or as I'm driving to the gym in the morning or whatever it is, I will verbally uh, talk out loud, speak to myself. I will pay attention to the three V's of communication, the visual, verbal, and voice. So I'm paying attention to the visual. How's my posture? I'm paying attention to the verbal. What am I saying? I'm paying attention to the voice, which is my tone and my um, timbre and the volume and i pay attention to those things and retrain my mind with how i want to respond in the future and the yeah. reason i look in the mirror now i'm not driving down the road staring in the mirror the whole time but i may look up into the into the uh, rearview mirror so that i'm paying attention to what my face is doing while i'm responding to that particular situation and what it does is it brings more feedback more awareness because oftentimes we miss the subtleties of our own expressions these micro expressions of the shoulders raising or the tenseness of the neck or the eyebrows going up or the angry face whatever it is we miss those things unless we train it and We can retrain these things. So I'm with you on that. I think that we find those things in meditation, we write them down, and then we practice them. Now, let's get in. We've talked about the why. I know our listeners may be sitting on the fence with this next piece because there might (laughs) be some people saying, well, hey, Miles, you can (laughs) meditate and you can read for hours a day. You have this opportunity and I'm just a busy guy or I'm a busy girl. I I can't do this, right? I, I imagine that I I can see a listener in my mind, 35 years old, 40 years old, he's trying to go to the job, get the thing done. He's got kids, he's juggling all of these different things. And he says, Miles, that's great for you, but that's not my life. I'm too busy to do this. So for that person, I would just say this, what we're going to talk about relative to the how. The principles can be applied, whether you've got five minutes to meditate or whether you've got an hour to meditate, or regardless, it doesn't really matter, right? So let's talk about the how. Walk our through, walk our listeners through the practice that you use.
1: So over time I've built a list of nine different things that I try to connect with. And each one of those things propels me a little deeper into the meditation or just gets me focused on the meditation.
0: Um, okay, so nine things.
1: Nine things. Um, and the, the bef- before I get into the nine things, the first thing, one of the earliest things that I learned is everything is a meditation. Okay, everything is a meditation, it's just unconscious. We do things unconsciously, but we're doing things. And the minute you bring a level of consciousness, the minute you bring a level of consciousness to your thing doing, you're actually consciously meditating. And the good thing about that is it's focused, okay? It's a focused thing that you're doing. It could be habitual things that you do automatically, it could be things at work, things you do with, in relationships, lovers, kids, all of those things. The, the minute you bring a certain level of consciousness, awareness and breath and depth to what you're doing, you're meditating. So if you're somebody who doesn't have time to meditate, if you don't have time to meditate, you can always incorporate these ideas into what you're doing as a meditation, okay? So that was one of the, the biggest things, is understanding that your entire life, your entire life is a meditation. It's just that it's a meditation that's pretty unconscious. So if you're literally paying attention to you're drinking your coffee in the morning, really bring awareness to that. So, you know, you've taken it for granted, re-smell the coffee, taste it in your mouth, enjoy the coffee. If you're doing a project at work, bring awareness to it, bring your breath to it. And that was one of the biggest things that I had learned that we literally are meditating all the time. It's just that it's a little unconscious and we and we, we take for granted our everyday experiences, whether they're through people, whether they're at work, whether we're watching a television program, if we all of a sudden just connected to the awareness of what we're doing, then your seated practice becomes a lot easier.
0: Right. And you're, I, you're, you're kind of resonating, uh, with, or you're saying something that resonates with me. I had a mentor in yoga one time teach me that um, everything is yoga, right? The I, way you yeah. eat, the way you walk that's yoga the way you interact with other people that's yoga right and the concept being that how you do anything is how you'll do everything so if i'm somebody that is meditative in the way that i'm sitting and drinking my coffee in the morning then i will tend to be in a more meditative state throughout life i tend to be much more uh, thoughtful in the way that i respond to life or the way that i interact with life so i absolutely love that and i think that's a huge awareness i I think uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about that a lot in The Power of Now, that this ability to just be aware of and be present in the moment helps us to realize that there is no past. There is no future. There really is truly only the now.
1: Well, today I was doing this, is, this is when early on when I was really smiling. This morning I'm sitting at the table, I'm drinking my coffee, and I realized last night I hadn't done the dishes. So I said, let me do the dishes. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do the dishes really slowly. Nice. I'm going to okay. soap up the rag. I'm going to feel the hot water on my hands. The, when I was washing the glass, I just got lost in washing the glass. And all of the dishes, I just took my time. I said, when I was putting the dishes on the rack, I said, feel the weight of that dish. And I put the dish away and I felt the weight of it. And I was putting it, and I started this really slow movement. And then I knew it was time to meditate when I finished the dishes. When I sat down to meditate, I was there.
0: That's awesome.
1: I was there. And one of the things on my nine list that you know about is the Goggins. We got to live here. Yeah,
0: we It usually takes right me a
1: while here. to get there. But when I sat down this morning after doing the dishes really slowly, I sat down and I was there. I closed my eyes. And the first thing I said we got to live here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. So my, my very first uh, instructor in Tai Chi taught me that concept of going slow, slow walking and slow movement. It's amazing what happens when you slow everything down, when you pay attention to the weight of the dishes, when you pay attention to the feel of the bristles of the toothbrush across your teeth. I mean, yeah, there, there is such a richness to life that we have become... Uh, completely desensitized too,
1: and to a degree, you're stopping. Yeah,
0: yeah, you really you know, are.
1: Stopping doesn't have to mean literally cease movement. Stopping literally means cease the movement that you've habituated into your life.
0: So yeah. if you start yeah. walking
1: really slowly as you're walking down the street, as comfortable as that might feel, you're you've stopped. You have yeah. changed how you approach things. Yeah, and then point. and then you try to live in it because there's going to be the anxiety that comes up whenever you do this. And then, as I told you the other day, it's instead of fighting resistance, you absorb it. You dance with the resistance. So if you have a big resistance, you use a big breath and you swing and dance with it and move it. If you have tiny resistance, it's a little tiny breath and you hold it like you're literally holding a dancer. You know, you've got your hand behind her back or his back, you've got your left hand holding or your right, and you just dance with the resistance. And all of a sudden the resistance starts to melt because you're not trying to kill it, you're trying to absorb it and become part of you and move with it and then you control
0: the resistance. Yeah, and that's a powerful thing. I, this was one of the points I think that I love the most when we were talking. Because it reminds me, of, and I have never studied and practiced uh, the martial art Aikido, but I had a friend that did that showed me how it worked. And yeah. you know, the, the whole concept behind Aikido is that it's, you use other people's energy either as a deflection or against them. And so one day he says, "Well, just you know, grab my wrist." And so I did. And he goes, "No, like really grab my wrist." The next thing I know. I'm on the ground with my arm behind my back, my wrist bent backwards in excruciating <laughs> pain because he's thrown me just with me moving. And he, all he did was move out of the way and use my momentum to throw me to the ground and get me pinned. It was unbelievable. And that taught me this kind th- th- this concept of that whatever resistance is coming at you, like you said, if you can dance with it, if it's big yeah. and bold, dance with it. Find a way. Find the breath. Stand up. Uh, get into a deep squat. You know, whatever it is, if you're if you're feeling big energy that's resisting against you, uh, take your shirt off and, and and look in the mirror. It doesn't matter what you, what you do. Like just make it big. If it's small, make it small. Respond. Dance with it. But adapt, you know, it's not you. The resistance is not you. Uh, how you respond to it, you have the ability to bend and flex and, and push and pull in a way that can create this massive, massive strength of will inside of you.
1: Yeah. The other thing is, is um, and I do this more often because I, I when, when I'm practicing myself, I don't call it resistance. I call it energy. Okay. Because I can manage, I can manage energies better. Energy, energy has a less of a of a connotation of concreteness than resistance. So oftentimes I use the word energy because then I have this fun battle with, you know, a, a perfect example of eating wrong. You know, I there's I want to go have a piece of crap, and I can feel. The energy pulling me toward getting that crap. And I ask myself, are you not fucking stronger than this energy pulling you toward that donut? <laughs> how much energy do I need to just go, I don't want to do that?
0: Yeah, and, there you
1: go. and that makes it a little bit more fun, but it allows me to see the energy that's uh, pulling me as a weaker energy. It's weaker. Like a donut, Miles. Really, a donut. I know it's two o'clock in the morning, and the donut is out there. Do you? Are you really gonna let this donut, the the, the pull of this donut, overwhelm you? You are that fucking weak.
0: Well, <laughs> you you can you can dance with it, and then you become the gravitational pull. That's yeah, one of the things exactly. in in observing yeah. uh, people who know how to dance well, and who people who practice aikido, they they become the gravitational force. Right. Right. Okay, so I I'm lost in the conversation. Uh, I love we're talking about where are we at with the nine? You've got nine again? things. Yeah, I, I said I, I'm well, loving our conversation, but I got lost on the number. <laughs> so so the nine
1: things. That? So the first one, I, I'll just give a quick overview. The first one all right, comes with Andrew comes with Andrew from Andrew Huberman. Um it got was it. it's uh, autonomic arousal. And and this one blew my mind because In learning anything, learning means absorbing information and then taking it apart to create new things with that. Now, everybody learns differently. So I'm not going to speak on how people learn, but I know the one absolute constant is learning is taking on new information. And then learning it so well, you can rearrange it to come up with something new. Was that's when you start entering the realm of creativity. Yeah. So, imagine a kid who comes from a household that's loud. You know, emotionally charged people howling all the time, bright lights. Um, some kids come from abusive situations. Some kids come from you know, not enough food, food anxiety. How do you learn from that? How do you learn in that atmosphere? And then all of a sudden the kid gets grown and he or she goes out into the world, high school, college, where the demand is to learn. Well, that kid is autonomically aroused all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's very difficult for him or her to sit in a room and a teacher assigns a dense reading or you have to figure out mathematical problems. If you can't calm yourself down physically and emotionally and psychically because you're autonomically aroused. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, I, I, so that's one of the first things I look at and when I sit down, am I automatic, autonomically aroused? And I didn't come from that type of situation, but there was noise. So that's the one thing. The other, one of the other things on the list I call, I start to say to myself, marginal gains, that's it. So yeah. that what, whenever I feel like I'm in the meditation, something's happening, I say, okay, stay here and build on this because to get to that place that we're talking about is actually kind of easy the hard part is learning the endurance of it how do you if you feel like you are have arrived at this meditational place he's like how do i do this now for an hour so there's the marginal gains if you can get it to two minutes you can get it to four but you always have to pay attention, and this brings me to another one of the elements on the list, but you always have to pay attention to it and breathe through, if, you're, if, you're, if your ceiling is one minute and you wanna to get to one minute and 15 seconds, what's gonna happen at one minute is you are going to feel your resistance rise at that mm-hmm. one minute mark. Okay. And then you, you dance with it, you play with it, use your breath to ease you into a minute and 15 seconds. There is no rush to get this done. Especially if you ask, say to yourself, you know what, I'm gonna try to do this for the rest of my life. If you look at it in terms of that, say you're a 30 year old man or woman, and let's say hypothetically, you're gonna die at 100, you got time.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got plenty of time.
1: You got plenty of time. So you can do a minute to a minute and 10 seconds. And after a while, it will exponentially grow. That two minutes will turn into seven minutes, seven to 10. From 10 to 11, you might have some problems, but you'll eventually get to 15. But you really, really, the most important part is not figuring out how long you wanna go. It's dealing with the present moment of the resistance when it hits.
0: Well, you brought up an interesting Um, point. I actually just did a calculation while you're talking. If you meditate for 5 minutes 365 days a year for 30 years. So if you're 30 years old by the time you get to 60. That's 273,750 <laughs> minutes of meditation. That's You massive. are the Buddha. <laughs> at that you point have achieved done, Buddhahood. Yeah, at that point you've done 4,000 562 hours now I, I might be doing my math wrong here I, somebody may say hey Steve, you, you did that wrong but I think I did it right. Four Nobody's five 562 that. hours of meditation <clears throat> over those years that's there, there's a compounding effect to that and if you're talking <laughs> about marginal gains like you, you you get a marginal gain each time or let's say that you get a marginal gain half the time. That's a lot of hours of marginal gain. That's a lot yeah. of minutes of marginal gain. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got autonomic arousal. You marginal gains. Marginal gains. Breathe Paying attention, ceiling, right? Right. Paying
1: attention to the feeling and sensation of the focus. Cause that's really okay. built, that's really important. The, the biggest takeaway is pay attention to the feeling and sensation because then you can have more to play with. Number four on the list.
0: That, that, that's huge. Yep. I, pay attention right. to the sensation. Far too many people don't do that. That's actually yep. something that I teach people when they're paying, when we're breaking through limiting beliefs. Is it where do you feel it in your body? And most people have no awareness whatsoever where they feel stress in the body. Yep. But every, every limiting belief lives somewhere in your body. It will be... It'll rise up through your neck, through your eyes, through your stomach, through your you know wherever you're going to feel it somewhere. Hugely, hugely important. Yeah, becoming aware of those sensations is crucial. Okay, so what's the next one?
1: And so now this is a bigger phrase. Um, Lao Tzu, who wrote the Tao Te Ching, has a phrase where he says um, the emphasis is on soft. The emphasis on softness means the opposite of rigidity and is synonymous with suppleness and endurance. And that's just a phrase that I, one of those phrases I keep in my head when I get to a certain place. Because it's funny how I used to think endurance meant grit. Yep. yep. You know, you gotta dig through this to stay part of it. And there's some people that can do that. It's the one thing about all this is that there's so many different people on the planet. Some of these things that I'm saying, somebody might look at it and go, that's bullshit because i do it another way. Yeah. And that's legit. The only illegit part is saying my way is a bullshit way, but to say that he or she gets there through a whole nother uh, modes of operation, that's totally legit because there are some people that grit their teeth and they grind it out. Yeah, right. And if that works for you, then you use that. All things exist and if it works for you, you use it. So I like the idea of being supple and soft and gentle, because I can feel that, and if I can feel it, I can sustain it, and in sustaining it is my endurance.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so, both ways. Like I find that I have to, there are times where there's gotta be a supple nature to what I'm doing in order right. for me to stick with it. I've gotta be less rigid. But there are times where if something's difficult, I've gotta I've got to square my jaw, square my shoulders, tighten up, dig in, and just go forward. And I've got to go, right. I got to push, you know, whatever it is, if I'm working out, if I've got uh, a, a difficult project at work that I have to do, yeah. if I'm in a, uh, a tough conversation, uh, coaching at an executive or another leader, um, I've got to sometimes just lean in and, and that's tough to do, you know, but the, I, but at the same time, I love that quote by Lao Tzu, because there does need to be a certain suppleness, a certain softness. Yeah, to uh, balance out that rigidity.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because two of the books and two of the guys that I follow the most are David Goggins and um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I think of Joe Dispenza is the soft part of Goggins and Goggins is the hard, um, gritty part of Joe Dispenza because when you read their books, They are saying the exact same thing through two different methodologies. David Goggins, if you know anything about his life, is grind through it, be uncomfortable, there's no time to be soft.
0: Yep, yep.
1: And Joe Dispenza is be aware, pay attention to your habitual patterns, stop living the same moments every single day that keep firing and wiring the same um, habits and emotions and experiences every day. Two men, drastically different, preaching the same messages.
0: Yeah. And yeah, great methodologies, both of them.
1: Right. Great methodologies.
0: Okay. Um, and so you that's you got why... Lao, Lao Tzu. So you hold Lao, right. Lao Tzu in, in your mind. What's the next right. one? Right.
1: The other one is, once we start to understand intellectually your meditation is, is always look for the meditational aspects of anything that you're doing. So that okay. you can actually practice this putting on a pair of pants. You can practice this, as you said earlier, brushing your teeth, drinking your coffee, because that will help you get to these places when you want to sit down and just have a quiet practice of doing nothing. You can practice doing nothing when you're doing something. And that's another um, portion or idea of Lao Tzu. Doing by not doing. And the not doing means pay attention and it's like if, you, if you've ever done anything where you get into the flow, that's the whole idea of doing by not doing. When you're in flow, you don't feel like you're doing anything. You are flowing with the moment. That's the Eastern mystical version of doing by not doing.
0: And I, I know so, there's a listener out there you know, that is commuting to work. And uh, when they hop on the subway, or they get on the train, they immediately will reach for their phone. Right. If you're commuting 30, 40, 50 minutes to work, an hour, whatever, there's time for you to do nothing, to just sit, to observe, to pay attention to the breath. There's so many different pieces. If you're not doing that, you have multiple points during the day to just sit and observe well while you're doing whatever it is if you're preparing your meal slow it down and make the best meal that you can oh steve i don't have time to prepare my food Um, i don't believe that i go (laughs) just Uh make make something very simple you get yourself five minutes to make yourself some eggs but slow down and then give yourself five minutes to eat those eggs and don't just shove it down your throat slow it down i think that is (laughs) so crucial Look for the meditational aspects in everything you do. Okay, what's next?
1: Well, I have a friend. He's always telling me he doesn't have time to prep his meals, but it seems like every time I call him, he's sitting on his couch watching sports.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We don't have time to prep our meals, to make good food, uh, but we can sit around and talk about sports. We can uh, do all sorts of mental masturbation all day long, right? (laughs) Yeah, yet we don't have time to make a meal that takes ten minutes to make. That makes no sense to me.
1: Yeah. It's like that rich dad, poor dad uh um, metaphor of um the 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 Starbucks coffee, the latte. You go get a latte in the New York Times, and if you do that every day, at the end of a month you've spent a hundred and fifty dollars. At the end yeah. of a year, you could have had enough money to invest in some stocks.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing <laughs> what happens. I, I, I've had people give me a hard time before because uh, there's times where I'll show up with my breakfast at work and a, a typical breakfast that I kind of rotate in is where I'll take a steak, cook it up in the morning and uh, do eggs and then, you know, with steak, the eggs and I'll take some pistachios and that's, that's a great breakfast for me. And people will look at this like, how do you do this? This is crazy. There's, I, I don't have time for that. And so it takes me 10 minutes at the most. I start out, I saute some onions, maybe some garlic. I throw the. I, I cut the steak up so it cooks very easily. I throw yeah. that in. It takes two or three minutes for it to, to uh, cook up the way that I want it to. I yeah. take that off. I cook the eggs. I throw it in the, the uh, container, and I'm ready to go. So it's 10 yeah. minutes. Oh, I couldn't do that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Whatever you want to tell <laughs> yourself. It's extremely simple to do. Okay, so... Look for the meditational aspects in everything we do. What's next? Yep.
1: Um, feel your weight. I feel my weight all the time. How heavy I am. Okay? Just, to, just. I can feel my feet planted in the earth.
0: I Not can just feel my physical butt. weight, right?
1: No, you physical your weight.
0: weight. You, yep. You're feeling your physical weight. Okay, okay. Talk Because this. you want to
1: feel that energy, because remember... If everything is energy, you're just connecting with other energy. When you have your feet planted on the ground, your okay. butt, you can feel it in your chair. Your shoulders dropping. Feel your weight because it brings it. Okay. you to the it brings you to the present moment. You know when you when you're not in the present moment, you can't feel your body. But when you're in the present moment, your body feel, you can feel like oh, I'm, I'm weighted. I feel it down. It's it's almost as if um, you're doing shavasana at the end of Mm. your yoga practice where you've you've worked out so hard and now you're laying there and you can feel your entire being. So that's really what it is, feel your being. Um, The other one right after that is another phrase that I love. It said, the phrase is to be restless is to lose one's self mastery. And I use this all the time because I am a pretty restless person. So when I feel squirmy I'm thinking to be restless is to lose one's self-mastery, that I'm losing self-mastery and I don't want to. So it automatically makes me calm down.
0: I like that.
1: I okay. just settle in. And then number eight is we got to live here, which is a David Coggins saying. David got We got to live here. And that's when you realize that you're there that you're feeling your weight, you feel your breath, you're present. Everything has slowed down. Uh, any psychic, physical, emotional stuff that's going on, you've dealt with, you're settled. This is the place you wanna be. We gotta live here. I like and that. right behind, we gotta live here is, there's nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere else to go. You don't want to go to the beach. You don't want to think I could be in a better place right now. No, there's no where to go. This is the moment I've arrived here, and then you just try to expand on that. I and love
0: that. Not... One. That one it really resonates. I read something recently that said that one of the main reasons. So there's there's two types of people that purchase luxury items. Okay. The first type of person is somebody that can afford that luxury item and they resonate with the quality of it. So there's a qualitative aspect. They value quality in their life, they want quality. They buy the luxury item because it resonates with their own personal values and they don't want to spend money on things that won't last, right? Now, that's less common. The more common is people who buy luxury items who can't afford them and who feel disempowered in their life. And so what they do is they buy a luxury item. Maybe it's the Cadillac or, you know, whatever it is, but they buy that luxury item as a way to steal power from that item. They don't feel powerful. And so they're trying to borrow from something else. And when you say that, that ninth one, there's nowhere else to go. This is the one that resonates, I think, with if you have a habit of running away, if you have a habit of spending money on stuff that you can't afford, if you have a habit of eating food uh, in excess, if you have a, any, any of these limiting beliefs or any of these uh, habits that are self-sabotaging in nature can be solved over time with this mindset. There's nowhere else to go. Because if you go buy that Cadillac and you're trying to steal power from it, you're still the same person. You are still yeah. the same individual that doesn't have self mastery. You are still the same sad human being. You're now just trying to uh, buy your happiness. You're trying to borrow power from whatever it is that you've now purchased. So I think that one really resonates that that is, it, 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 this is where we live. We, we, we gotta live here and then there's nowhere else to go. That's the reality, that's the truth. You can't get out of your body. You can pretend right. to. Right. But your body's gonna remind you that it's there.
1: Yeah, remember I used to talk about and when when, when I taught the uh, meditation class at Lifetime, I would use the reverse to get people to relax. Yeah. And one of the things, yeah. you know, instead of trying to get people to calm their minds down, I would literally ask them to go on a journey with their mind, whatever.
0: Yep. And, then, yeah, I and then I would
1: have them, I mean, have them look at their bodies and understand that no matter where your mind goes, and your mind can go to the past, to the future, past pains, past pleasure, anticipating future pleasures, future pains, your mind can go everywhere. Your body is always present. The body mm-hmm. is here. So let's use our body to send a signal to the mind that we would like to calm down. Yeah. The body, the body is asking the mind, can you calm down? We want to help you calm down and be with us instead of using the mind to rile up the body. Because the yeah. body doesn't go anywhere. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat down and you know thought about oh, I remember that trip to Panama. And literally I'm my, my mind is in Panama, doing all the things we did in Panama, and I opened my eyes. And I'm sitting in my fucking living room.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you don't have the beautiful scenery of Panama. I love that.
1: So sometimes use the body to still the mind because the body is always present.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let's review these nine for our listeners. I want to make sure that our listeners have them. But I want to make sure that our listeners understand something that you've... I love this phrase. I've stolen it from you um but you talk about it regularly of playing with an idea just play with this just play with that right yeah that's it a... and maybe our listeners don't understand what that is because far too often we get away from playing you know we we used to play when we were kids we'd run we'd climb a tree we'd uh play basketball whatever it was we would play there is almost no objective to it other than just to have fun it's the same thing when you're playing yeah. with an idea, when you're playing with a, a, and, and kind of testing these things out in your life, you're truly just playing with it. You're doing it for the pure enjoyment and you should find some enjoyment in doing it. If you release all of these expectations that you should be this and you should be that, don't should on yourself and tell yourself that you should be doing this or should be that or should be a better person, whatever. you know, Stop shooting on yourself and just play with these things. So the first one, Miles, well, you said, pay attention to the autonomic arousal. Right. Where are you starting this from? The second one is has to do with marginal gains. Yep. Wherever you're at, try to make some sort of improvement small. Don't make it big. You're not going to go from never meditating to a, a state of uh, becoming the Buddha in one day. Just marginal gains over time, and they will compound. The third one is pay attention to the sensations and the emotions. And then the fourth one, I want you to read the quote again, because I absolutely love the quote. I want people to hear the quote from Lao Tzu.
1: It's Lao Tzu's emphasis on softness means the opposite of rigidity and is synonymous with suppleness and endurance.
0: I love that. Fifth look for the meditational aspects of everything you do so this is for those of you out there that are saying i don't have time just pick whatever you're doing during the day slow it down make it meditative the sixth one feel your weight get into you the your body. presence
1: yep and your weight yep. yep
0: feel yep. the presence feel the weight the seventh is to, remind to be yourself, restless
1: to be restless is to lose one's self-mastery
0: yeah don't let that restlessness take control of you. You take control of it. Right. Number eight. This is where we live. We've we got to live,
1: live here. here. <laughs> we got to live right here.
0: That's one of my favorites. Yeah. When I get into uh, uh, lifting sessions, I'll, I'll come up to a particularly difficult exercise that I know I'm trying to push more weight or push, push more repetitions. Yeah. And I just look at the bar or the dumbbells or whatever it is, and I say, "We got to live right here. This is the pain cave yeah. we're going into." And then number nine, there is nowhere else to go, which is the truth. You can't run away from your body. You cannot run away from your soul. It is there all the time, all the time. We got, got it. Where you go? Right?
1: What is that? that? I got that from an old Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, where um, Total Recall, when when he's he's getting his mind altered, and uh, the guy that's altering his mind says um, he he's gonna trying to go to mars and the guy goes no matter where you go there you are
0: (laughs) (laughs) and we're going to leave it on that well and on that note folks it is time for us to wrap up another evolve podcast i want to thank my guest and co-host w miles riley for imparting his wisdom and his practice with us uh, uh today uh, miles what a cool conversation thanks for uh, yeah, thanks was, for taking our personal phone call and turning it into a podcast <laughs> we talk about that all the time
1: you, you know how many podcasts we can do based on our phone calls alone we say
0: that all the time because we talk regularly and then we get finished we're like oh that was a good podcast but we never mm-hmm. make them into podcasts so i think this is the first time that we're actually taking one of our conversations yeah. and turning it into a podcast Uh, So, folks, hey, one of the best ways that uh, you can help to support Miles and uh, our Evolve podcast is just go follow us on Instagram. Uh, It's Evolve uh, underscore cast. And you can find us on on, uh, the World Wide Web at uh, www.Evolve-cast.com. Uh, We have changed up the shop a bit. If you go to the website and you'll see that we've got the hats, we've got a few shirts on there, Uh, we've discontinued several items, but we kept the ones that we like the best and the ones that uh, you seem to like as well that are our best sellers. So go check those out. Uh, That's a great way to help to support the podcast. And if you like this episode, give us a rating, share it with your family and friends. We'd also love to hear from you. Like uh, we mentioned earlier, uh, if you have some sort of interest in uh, meditation and you've seen some benefits from it, uh, shoot us a DM and, and we uh, you can be entered to win that hat. Uh, remember folks that it takes time and consistency to evolve, but first you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.
1: And evolve.
0: Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.